Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. Here's another episode around the book, The Lasting Connection, developing love and compassion for yourself and your partner. And this is the last chapter in the book, uh, concluding part two, where I talk about developing a compassionate stance to yourself and your partner. So today we're going to talk about developing compassion for all the parts of you, even the parts that you don't like, and all the parts of your partner, even the parts that you don't like. So stay with me till the end, because I'm going to talk a lot about criticism and how we find space for all these different parts. And I will point you to an exercise in the book that you can then do if you take a deeper dive into the book. If you want to order this book, you can find it on Amazon as either Kindle or paperback format and take a deeper dive together with your partner or on your own. And I want to start this episode by thinking about this phrase that we often hear people say, you know, that it's important to love yourself. Well, which self? You know, so far we focus on the compassionate best version of you or you in a really good day. Is that yourself? In this chapter of the book called Compassion for Every Part of You, I talk about literally that, how you discover the other different parts of you, that there are many selves and how they can turn up in arguments with your partner and also how you can learn to have the compassionate part of you in the driving seat. So within compassion-focused therapy, we essentially think about the self as having multiple parts or versions, that there's a version of you listening to this, there might be a very different version of you showing up in an argument where your partner's done th- something or said something that you are upset about and you argue about that. And yet again, there's a different version to you who might be running out of a burning building. So this also goes for your partner. The different versions of them come out at different times. And it's tricky to find one true authentic self. It's more helpful to think of yourself as having multiple or many selves. So I want to think about three versions that commonly show up in our everyday lives and are important for you when you argue with your partner. The angry part of you focuses on, on directing the blame outwards, feeling like it's been wronged by other people, that some sort of injustice has been committed. Things are really unfair and other people should pay for their mistakes by apologising and making up to you. It's a place of real physical tension. You might feel that your jaw is really tight, your fists are curling and you feel the adrenaline coursing through your body. The anxious part is on the lookout for threat and danger, preparing for something really bad happening and it's often fearful for the future. It scans the situation with your partner and jumps to worst case scenario conclusions and you might want to run away or you might want to please your partner to make the threat go away. The sad part of you experiences a flatter, more demotivated feeling. It's the version of you who feels that something important has been lost or is missing. This part feels a deep need for connection, wanting to cry and be held and comforted. And when we bring in the compassionate self, the version of you that can balance your needs with those of your partner, but also has the courage to say no and set boundaries rather than accepting bad behaviour. 
This version of you is empathetic enough to see that behaviour in context and want to take into account your partner's perspective as well as your own. Your compassionate self uses wisdom, knowing that all relationships struggle and need to weather a storm from time to time. So that's a much more balanced, nuanced view. But often you have conflicting parts of you. The angry part of you wants to do something completely different to perhaps your sad part of you. Might even be something that would be illegal or destructive. So we can just notice those impulses and urges, understanding why you have them, as it's essentially human, and knowing that thinking about something is not the same as doing it. So in the book, there is an exercise around your multiple selves, which you might find helpful coming from compassion-focused therapy, where you can draw out what your different parts of you want in a disagreement with your partner. And when you understand that, it's a lot easier to then help you choose who's going to be in the driving seat. Which urges and impulses will you try to just notice and let go, and which ones will you act upon? And often in my work as a couples therapist, I hear that couples feel bad about themselves for having picked a fight or for having hurt their partner. This comes from our built-in capacity to reflect on our own actions, and that can be helpful because it can help us to repair, forgive, and move forward. But sometimes, however, couples get really stuck here. One or both partners feel really bad about who they are rather than about how they act. They sometimes say they don't even like themselves, so they don't like the partner who they have become. So it's really difficult to cultivate compassion for the parts of you that you don't like. Also, naturally, it's difficult to do that for your partner's flaws. And Professor Paul Gilbert, who is the founder of Compassion Focused Therapy, talks about developing compassion for the dark side of ourselves. So thinking about the Jungian concepts of shadow self. Sometimes we think of it as the dark side of the moon, right? So it's facing away from the sun, it's not being illuminated. So for instance, if you see yourself as a kind and funny person, your shadow self might be mean and boring. You wouldn't want to acknowledge this part of you because you don't want these characteristics to be the real or true you. Imagine also that you do the same then for your partner. When you first get to know them, you might think of them as generous with their time and money, but after a while you might see the shadow part of that. For instance, that they spend all your household money on others and don't spend enough time with the family due to taking on too many other commitments for other people. So how do we then develop compassion for your dark side and for your partner's dark side? Well, from time to time you will say and do things that drive your partner insane, not acting in line with the values you hold in life and then regretting it. So that's natural. So rather than beating yourself up for that, let's try to develop more kindness and compassion for your shortcomings. And the first step to do that is understanding why you act like you do. Understanding the different parts of you better. Like using this example of the exercise of your multiple selves. So we want to be sensitive to why you're doing this. Given what you've gone through, doesn't it make sense that you have these parts to you? Given your values around how you want to be, what could be more helpful? So want to lean on your inner mentor here that you've developed through perhaps reading the book and using those exercises so far, guiding you in the self-discovery about your dark sides without putting yourself down. Tune into the previous episode around the inner critic to help you understand that a bit more. So the odds are that your partner will also say and do things which drive you insane, things they may regret. And often we focus much more on our partner's bad traits and qualities than we do on our own. But remember that you can't make your partner change. Accepting their dark sides isn't the same as liking their dark sides. 
Acceptance means stopping the struggle against something outside of your control. You can't control your partner as much as you have tried through being critical of them, but you're still able to raise a complaint about the things you don't like, however. So it's really important to consider what criticism does. And I think of criticism as an army of termites eating your house. When you tell your partner off of something in a harsh way, you might feel more in control or may think that it's effective. Because you might think that they're all right with how you speak to them. As you get rewarded with their compliance, they do as you tell them. But how does it feel for them? Is your control and coercion met with submission and avoidance? Maybe they feel less inclined to come to you with their problems, to show you their vulnerabilities, so your connection weakens and you drift further apart. And maybe they even try harder to please you, to be perfect in your eyes, to avoid criticism. So this is where self-silencing can come in, of not expressing their own needs to you for fear of judgment or criticism. Or alternatively, your criticism triggers anger in them. How dare you talk to me this way? And they may respond with retaliation, defensiveness and hostility. Or they eventually have enough of you and end the relationship. So this is why criticism is like termites. One little bug here and there, it's probably okay. But you're not perfect. You will lose your temper from time to time. And you will go into your worst self occasionally. And each little act of unkindness to your partner might seem insignificant. It's possible to repair them. It is, it really is. We can forgive and we can move forward. But don't let it build up to an infestation. A big group of termites can cause damage to the foundation of your relationship and bring the whole house down. So I want you to think about, lastly, that you on a really bad day, what would that look like? I think of that as the goblin. If you think about a time when you've been really horrible to your partner, because, you know, fess up now, we've all been there. Thinking about which version of you was acting that way. It's not going to be your compassionate best. It's not going to be you on a really good day. No, no, it's probably more like you on a really bad day. When things weren't going well at work, or you had a bad night's sleep, or the kids pushed your buttons, or your mother-in-law nitpicked your cooking, or the car's MOT resulted in a huge repair bill. Everything was just going against you. Your compassionate self then feels a million miles away. Imagine that your partner comes home from work, feeling tired and a bit moany, and you're in this worst version of yourself. An impatient, selfish, arrogant version of you sitting on the sofa like some sort of argumentative goblin, waiting for your opportunity to strike, to pick a fight, to score a point. The goblin is only happy when getting to win, motivated by competitive rather than compassionate goals. Do you recognise that goblin state of being? Have you ever felt like you've stepped into a goblin self? Or you've been like that, waiting to strike? What can you do? when you're in your worst self, to still walk in line with your values and act like the partner you want to be. I want you to really think about that, of not only because it's more pleasant to have a relationship that is connected and close rather than full of criticism, but also how it feels for you when you're being critical. It expends a lot of energy for you as well as for your partner receiving it. So one thing that we do at the end of this chapter in the book is to help you write a compassionate letter to your partner where you can think about any mistakes you've made and illuminating your partner's experience and really taking that in. And the letter you write to your partner is about expressing concern and empathy, understanding their pain. If you are sensitive to what hurts for them, you can gently consider what would be helpful to alleviate their pain. So in this chapter, I go through how to do that, much like you did in in the compassionate letter to yourself, 
But here we direct it outwards to your partner, letting their compassion and kindness flow out to them. Helping them face and tolerate their feelings rather than telling them off for having them. So that is it in a nutshell, what we cover in this chapter around how you can have more compassion for the many different parts of you. If you want to take a deeper dive and understand these exercises more, go and check out the book on Amazon now. It's called The Lasting Connection, Developing Love and Compassion for Yourself and Your Partner. And if you like these little snippets, please do share them to other people. That can be the difference between them seeking help for their own relationship or understanding that maybe they're too critical of others or too critical of themselves. And I'm telling you this because I've known so many people wait for far too many years before they seek help. Whereas if you're catching this early, it might not be as cemented. So if you need any more help with this, you can also go to my website and check out my new online course that is upcoming called The Compassionate Couple. So you go to thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash The Compassionate Couple to learn more about how you can take a course that's based on this book. And until I speak to you next time, please do take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically, showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas, and you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.